Coming to you from Brick House in downtown Brooklyn, this is 112BK. On the show today, why DACA is such a political hot potato. After a year of Trump, we asked Brooklyn Republican for his take. And right here in the studio, a couple of mules. Moscow mules, that is. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm Brian Vines, in for Ashley Ford today, who's on the briefest of vacations. Happy to be with you all again. We've got a lot to get to, so I'm gonna jump right in. On the show today, we'll talk about DACA and how the state of limbo is affecting New Yorkers. We'll meet a rare breed, a Brooklyn Republican will be on to talk about our year with Trump, and then mixing mules, Moscow mules. But first, these things. Brooklyn's getting a new resident, sort of, and it's not exactly a happy relocation. After years of protests in Harlem, the statue of Dr. J. Marion Sims is being moved from its current home on Fifth Avenue and 103rd Street by Central Park to a new resting place next to his actual resting place in Brooklyn's Greenwood Cemetery. Sims was commemorated with a statue, likely for his founding of the first women's hospital in the U.S. and the first cancer institute in the mid to late 1800s, and because he was known as the father of modern gynecology. But he's also known for experimenting on women's slaves at around this time and operating on them without anesthesia apparently because he assumed black women didn't feel as much pain as white women. Now, in the city's recent study of memorials and statues, his was tagged a symbol of hate. Dr. Sims, man, first do no harm. Now, do you remember earlier this young year, Trump's New Year's present to the fossil fuel industry, where he basically said he was opening up the entire U.S. coast to drilling? It was Sarah Palin on steroids. Remember all that drill, baby drill? Well, not so fast. First, the Republican governor of Florida was able to get an exemption from this foolishness because, well, he's a Republican and because Florida has tons of coastline that he wants to protect. Hello, Mar-a-Lago. Now, other governors are lining up for exemptions of their own, including ours. Andrew Cuomo, who said the plan would kill wildlife and the economy. Will Trump and his Interior Secretary, Ryan Zinke, be swayed by a blue state's plea? Well, we shall see. Filed this one under, oh damn, Grimaldi's Pizzeria has been shut down by the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. The famed Dumbo Pizza Spot, an institution for decades, apparently has, quote, some serious violations that could not immediately be fixed. Well, I'll say this. Some folks may believe Grimaldi's has been on the slide for a couple of years, ever since the schism that put a new pizzeria, Giuliana's, in its old spot and moved Grimaldi's to the corner, serving up their fare with plastic plates and utensils, and we're sure a little love, but complacency's a bitch. We're looking at you, Grimaldi's. And finally, an East New York church is crying foul after a sixth headless bird appeared recently on the premises of Brooklyn's Russian Orthodox Church of the Holy Trinity. 
This time, it was a chicken. On previous occasions, it was both chickens and doves. The NYPD's hate crimes unit is investigating, though authorities don't seem to know the significance of the dead birds. Stay tuned. We'll be back with our first guest. The DACA roller coaster continues. Last week, a federal judge in California placed an injunction on the government's plan to end deferred action on childhood arrivals, ordering the government to start the program up again. But this week, Trump said DACA was dead and his Justice Department took the unusual step of asking the Supreme Court to review the judge's decision. DACA has rightfully been a hot-button issue in Washington and in New York, and it seems to be the key to finalizing a budget to fund the federal government, something that has to be done by Friday. Here to talk about this and the uneasy state of limbo for dreamers is the dreamer himself, Cesar Vargas, the first undocumented lawyer in the state. Welcome to 112BK. Thank you so much for having me. So even just to walk that back for a second, Dreamers, as they're called, is a real concern right now, what's happening with them, but it's much broader than that. Absolutely. There's no question that the discussion has centered on protecting Dreamers, those who came here as babies. But at the same time, you know, one of the things that my priority is that even though I want protection for Dreamers, even I want protection for my younger brother who's about to lose his DACA yeah. and lose his job, I cannot forget about the original dreamers. I cannot forget about my own mother, who's still undocumented, who at this moment we're seeing an administration and Republican proposals out there saying, well, we'll protect dreamers in exchange of targeting other immigrants. We'll protect dreamers and you and your brother and other dreamers, but we'll target undocumented parents. And that's a deal we cannot accept. We cannot throw any immigrant under the bus. We cannot throw our own communities under the bus just for uh, a green card, just for a path to citizenship. And I think we have to be very careful that at the end of the day, it's really about the original dreamer. It's about all of us coming together to ensure that we come up with a solution that doesn't mm -hmm. deal with you know, $20 billion to a wall uh, versus you know just some yeah. type of protection for dreamers. So when you see Pelosi and Schumer going into the White House, do you feel like they are arguing on the behalf of the DACA community and the extended family of folks who are being affected? Well, I definitely do think that uh, Leader Pelosi has been working to ensure that she whip hard caucus in the House of Representatives to support dreamers and to allow dreamers to have a unified force just in case there is a shutdown to say no dream, yeah. no deal. Uh, Senator Schumer, on the other hand, I think he has said very positive things, welcoming things about dreamers, but at the same time, I don't have, I don't, we haven't seen that leadership yeah. about a senator from New York say, well, we'll shut up the government because we need to protect dreamers. Even just today, we had uh, we had dreamers uh, risking arrest, gotten arrested outside his office in New York City because we don't trust Senator Schumer's leadership mm -hmm. when it comes to protecting dreamers. It's one thing to uh, broker a deal. It's another thing to say, well, we'll deal with the issue later on and we'll protect dreamers later on. It's, it's an urgency. Each day, 122 dreamers are losing the protection each day. As we sit here right now, there's some 700,000 people who fall into that classification. Do you think that those 700,000 and those who would be with them would be willing to make the government of the United States shut down in order to protect them and maintain their status? Well, you know, it's, it's more than just immigration. It's more about just 800,000 green cards or citizenship. It's really about having a government that can actually work. It's just, it's, it's, 
repulsive to know it for the American people to know that the government, our government, cannot address an, an important issue facing this nation. If there's anything that government is supposed to be, is that when there's a problem, mm -hmm. an issue, government needs to address it right away. We haven't even, even done that. Yeah. The only thing that this government and republics have done is pretty much give tax breaks to billionaires at this moment, rather dealing. So we are in kind of a de facto shutdown where yeah. the government can even deal with funding for Puerto Rico, for our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico, funding for the uh, children health insurance program, mm -hmm. funding for uh, veterans uh, affairs to ensure that veterans have the treatment. So, you know, we, we have a de facto shutdown then just us not being able to deal with dreamers that right. over 80 percent of of the american people support according to the latest poll yeah. we haven't seen that and i think if the congress cannot deal with that we need to really really think about who's in charge of our government so if the president fancies himself a deal maker and a good deal means both sides walk away unhappy but with something what does the unhappy compromise look like from your community's perspective well i think there is really great momentum to actually have a deal done. Right now, there's Republicans and Democrats who are willing and are working towards a solution. Just mm -hmm. just a few days ago, uh, Congressman Hurd and Congressman Aguilar from Texas and California uh, presented a proposal that USA Act. Pretty much 20 Republicans and 20 Democrats came together to introduce the, the, this legislation, creating a path to citizenship for dreamers, yeah. creating operational uh, control of the border, as well as uh, reform to our immigration system. No one's disputing that we need border security. Of course, we want to make sure that we have the technology to intercede drugs, to, in, to survey, to provide monitoring over remote areas. Yeah. Of course. So, and we're not going to be happy. There's no question about it. But this administration is treating the government as if this is a reality show. This presidency is is using is fear mongering uh, for the sake of ratings. That's how he sees this. And the United States is not a reality show. The United States is not just something that the president can play with. And I okay. think we need to focus on that. Back to the deal. <laughs> I got a wall over here. There's four companies in the desert right now building prototypes. Give me a wall and I'll give you those 700,000. They can keep their seat. Is that a compromise position? Well, let's talk about that. What does that wall look like? Uh, there's obviously, there's already a wall at this moment. There's about 700 miles right now of fences. They need a bigger wall. They a need, huge need wall. The, the Great Wall of China. Yeah, and yeah. You know, the Great Wall of China is not going to happen. That's something the Republicans and Democrats haven't, you know, have come to an agreement saying well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Now, whether he wants a wall that's actually going to help provide border security, let's talk about that, right? There's a digital wall. There's fencing where we actually need. So mm -hmm. I think th there's some discussions, right? In a, in a rational discussions, we would be able to get that border security, that wall that would prevent uh, people from uh, getting injured, that would prevent from drugs coming in, of course. But, you know, we're not talking about that, right? And this administration mm -hmm. is not talking about border security. He's talking about literally a gray wall of China, an American China wall. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it just boggles my mind that we, we this administration is completely clueless. Yeah. Um, and when I mean that is that the administration, President Trump, Donald Trump, has no idea what's going on. It's Stephen Miller and uh, his senior immigration advisor and Attorney General Jeff Sessions yeah. who are pretty much calling the shots on immigration. These are the most hardliners on immigration that we have seen for, for a while. So I think, you know, we were, we're seeing the these two anti-immigrant hijacking yeah. the administration. Okay, Counselor. On the other side of the table, there are a lot of people who say you are going to encourage behaviors, that that which is rewarded is repeated. What would you say to them to change their minds about the status of DACA and continuing that, where they're saying you're giving these people a reward for breaking the law? 
how can you change that thinking? Well, absolutely. See, one of the things that I can tell you is that a, parent, a mother in Central America is not going to think about our immigration laws when he or she is sending their child to the U.S. by themselves because they fear that they're going to be raped or killed in their neighborhood in, in Honduras. Yeah. So, you know, I, so that's not going to prevent anything. What we can do is essentially the U.S. needs to be a better neighbor when it comes to mm -hmm. the world affairs. Uh, I, am, I came here not because my mother just came here. I am the product of an economic system that failed to protect and create jobs around the world. The North American Free Trade Agreement was one of those trade agreements that uh, Wait a minute! It sounds like you have something in common with Trump there. Yeah, you know, and I, and I, you know, and I think you know that's the thing where there is common ground amongst Republicans yeah. that when we come to trade agreements, let's make sure that they are fair, uh, fair trade versus like NAFTA created collapsed Mexican economies around around the world, especially in Mexico. And I am the product of that. And what we're seeing now, as well as uh, the in U.S. intervention in Honduras and yeah. in, in all the South South American countries, was a product of why the, many people kept come here. So yes, uh, we need to make sure that we are not uh, we're not creating magnets for people to come here illegally. But but let's create a system where people can want apply it legally. I guarantee you that my mom would have done it had it not been for a system that you know she couldn't do anything. No one wants to risk their life mm -hmm. coming here for you know for just you know risking uh, their lives just for for a better life so in literally our last minute i'm going to ask you to share some news that you can use for anyone who's listening who might be concerned about their status or protecting someone that they love well most important right now there is uh in moments of this urgency uh be very careful of, of fraud there is a, a, a some attorneys, even notarios, who pretend to help immigrants and say, hey, I can help you get your citizenship if you just pay me $10,000. Be careful on that. And most important, this is a time where you need to get involved. Uh, we need to pressure our senators, including Democratic Senator, U.S. Uh, Senator Chuck Schumer here, uh, and get involved. Uh, local nonprofits like New York Immigration Coalition, like Comena on Staten Island, North Manhattan, Northern Manhattan Immigrant uh, Coalition, this organization that can give you access to attorneys and reliable information. That's a, this is a time to get involved at this moment. Okay, I know it changes by the day and seemingly at the president's whim, but are there any deadlines or filing things that we should be aware of and uh, on the lookout for so we don't get taken in by unscrupulous people? Well, right now there is nothing out there. So if okay. anyone promised you any type of relief, uh, do not you know take that with a grain of salt, right? Because there is no Dream Act, there is no path to citizenship unless Congress acts within, which could act probably by January 19, by Friday, that we ticking. can. The clock is ticking. So, uh, but be very careful on that. I think that's the most emergency because these are the times where people are afraid, are in high alert, and they just want to be able to get help from anyone. And unfortunately, some people don't want that. All right, we're going to leave it there. Thanks, Cesar. Thank you so much for having me again. You might be surprised to learn that in the presidential election in 2016, Donald Trump got about 141,000 votes in Brooklyn. Now, you might be asking yourself, who are these voters? Now, I may be going out on a limb here, but I think we have one of them with us today, and he's going to talk with us about our first year with Trump in the White House. He's a Brooklyn native, a lawyer, a Republican, and host of the podcast Behind Enemy Lines. 
I think you catch his drift. Gene Berardelli, welcome to 112BK. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So, a year into the Trump era, I talked to you about buyer's remorse when I invited you to come today. Yeah. Is this a real concept among Republican circles? It depends on who you talk to. Uh -huh. um, I think that if you ask the everyday garden variety person on the street, maybe not in the People's Republic of New York, but elsewhere, I would say that the answer is probably no. Yeah. If you're talking to somebody who is politically involved or politically aware in Republican circles, the answer yeah. is probably maybe, because Trump has not made life easy yeah. for Republicans. Uh, some are upset because of his uh, coarse language, let's say. Yeah. Uh, some are upset because he's actually making them work and they don't have to, you know, th th they are actually having to fulfill the promises that the president made in the course of the year. Yeah. But I think that after the tax reform plan was passed and signed into law, mm -hmm. I don't think that buyer's remorse is so prevalent anymore. I think that there are a lot of people that are happy and optimistic for the future. At least that's what the stock market's showing us. So. We are behind enemy lines is the premise of your podcast. Explain right. that a little bit, what sure. that would mean. So it's, it's, it's twofold. The first is a tribute to my co-host, Russell Gallo, who is a first sergeant in the New York National Guard. He served in Iraq. He earned a combat action badge. So it's a tribute to his service there. But mm -hmm. also, uh, when we started the show, and I mentioned People's Republic of New York City, we are Republicans who are outnumbered and, yeah. and outgunned in, in, in local elections. Nothing funny about that, Brian. Uh, we're, we're outnumbered. I think last check it was in Brooklyn, somewhere around eight to one, yeah. them to Republican. And in the city, it's five to one. So it, it's it's hard being a Republican in, in the city of New York. So has Donald Trump made it any easier to be a Republican in the Republic of dot, dot, dot? Yeah, I think he has. He has. In, in this sense. You Unpack can, that. How has Donald Trump made it Because you can hold your head up high and say that that you won something. I, I was at a, an election night party in Manhattan uh, when uh, the returns were coming in. Yeah. And the pride that was coming out of a lot of the young people, I mean, it was all millennials there. Yeah. The pride coming out of them was like, finally, we have something to cheer about. We have something to be happy about. So whenever Donald Trump is, is getting on the, the liberal media or is attacking, you know, sneaky Dianne Feinstein or, or whoever it may be at the time, yeah. that's cause to cheer. So what about this learning curve then? Like every president, there's no school for the presidency. So there's some adjustment when you're walking in. But Donald Trump is receiving historically low approval ratings from folks. And a lot of them during this Gallup poll say they will give him an F for the job that he's done one year later. How do you account for that? Well, a couple of different things. First, uh, there were polls at the end of the year that showed his approval rating just about the same as where President Obama's was at the end of his first year. Uh, secondly, Whose uh, polls were I believe it was Rasmussen, but there may have been another one. I can give you a link for it later if you want. Um, but also, I think that it is a product of the negative news coverage. Uh, there was uh, reports that came out this week, not only from Media Research Center, but from uh, Pew Research, yeah. saying that close to 90% of the coverage in the past year of the president mm -hmm. was negative, and very little of it showed accomplishments that he Oh, he good. Let's talk about those accomplishments. Absolutely. Because the White House was like happy to put out their first 100 days, which is kind of oxymoronic that the White House, in the case of this guy, has a fact sheet that they put out. And it was one 
100 days and all these accomplishments talking about the bills he signed. You had a fantastic article talking about the actions that the man's taken in the first 100 days. And a lot of them are mainly ceremonial, whatever, when you get down to it. But what do you think are the highlights that make you happy that this guy's in the White House? Well, the first highlight for me mm -hmm. was when uh, Justice Gorsuch was sworn in. That was the sign of a promise kept. As a Republican voter, that was the main reason for me to vote for President Trump. Okay. That was probably the only reason that That's awesome, over. because I'm, I'm like, every time you say something that sparks something else, I wonder if you did that promises made, promises kept, if you feel good about the ratio of stuff that he campaigned on versus stuff that he's actually been actionable on. Well, there are things that he promised that have been delayed because of congressional action. There are things that he promised that we're going to have to see, DACA and what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks with the building of the wall and things like that. Yeah. How much compromise is there within the president for that? Um, the first year, I'm, I'm happy enough to say that I think my vote has been justified, mm -hmm. but I still want to see more. And, you know, it's going to depend a lot about Congress and the midterms and, and all the fun stuff that's going to be coming in 2018. Fun stuff coming in 2018. What's oh, coming this is down fun. Absolutely. But how much of the fun is distracting from the real work of government and getting stuff done? Well, I think that there is a lot of distraction. Absolutely right. Um, it comes from the president. It comes from the media. Yeah. I mean, we had a whole press conference with, well, with a doctor. trolling them. He wants to, every time He's that the man the does something. Field. He's changing the playing field. There was a into time. Into a playground, yeah? Well, possibly into a playground, but it's his playground. He is not going to play by the, the media's rules. Our country is not his playground. No, but the media that. and huh. the back and forth with them is his playground. Mm -hmm. President Trump has taken to the people without filter. He is using his own direct dissemination, yeah. Twitter, and the media doesn't like that. The media likes to control narratives. The media likes to be the source of the yeah. information. They've now been shown to be, some of them, not yeah. all of them, shown to be petty, mm -hmm. shown to be vindictive, and the amount of, disproportionate amount of negative coverage has been proving that out. So we got like a minute and a half now, but uh, looking at the disproportionate coverage, I don't know who those Rasmussen people were talking to, but we uh, know that the Gallup said 50% approval rating for Obama at the same time that this guy, Trump now, is hovering at about 37 to 39 percent of the approval rating. I wonder if he's only playing to his base, do you think Trump will ever become the president of America or the president of the base? I think he is becoming the president of America. If you looked at an article recently in The Atlantic, yeah. it showed that because of the dropping in unemployment in minority communities, there's starting to be some response and favorability towards the president. He has doubled his favorability with African-American females and close to it with African-American males and also with the Hispanic community. I think he's developing that through the things that bring us all together. We had a guest today who's talking about DACA. He's not gaining any points from the way that he's handling this. Thing. I think the distraction of the alleged comments that uh, yeah. Senator Durbin talked about has taken away from that and you'll get negative blowback from that. And until you actually have some substantive action from people in Congress, I don't think that you can, it's an incomplete at this point. You have to see 
uh, what the president's willing to do. The fact that he's even entertaining it yeah. and is bringing Democrats to the table to discuss it and to negotiate it has to be viewed as a positive. Okay, we're completely out of time. I just want to sneak in. I'm like holding my breath until the State of the Union at the end of this month. What's the shining thing that's going to come out of that? Well, there's going to be a victory lap on the tax reform bill being passed and money being put back to Americans' pockets. He's definitely going to be talking about his plans for the future. Um, at, at this point, it's it's kind of up in the air because we have to see, most importantly for this year, is going to be the 2018 midterm elections for Congress. Yeah. You, you How bad are that, you guys going to lose? Uh, well, politics is cyclical. There will be some losses in here. I just don't know if it's going to be as catastrophic as people are saying. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be losses in the majority in either the House or the Senate. But because of him or in spite of him? It is the cyclical nature of politics. Is, you know, you'll see back to 1978 when there's a Republican president in the first year. Just attrition. You, it just happens. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. There's a, there's a pendulum that goes back and forth. All right, so is he going to mention Oprah in his uh, State of the Union at all? I mean, listen, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> o Oprah is not going to be running for president, I don't think. Uh, even polling now after the, the feel-good moment that she had with the Golden Globes, she's still polling behind Joe Biden and, and Bernie Sanders, and I don't see it getting any better. If right. that was her high point, where do you go from there? I'll see you on the face pages. Sounds good, pal. Thank you. Last week, we had a mule in the studio, a Moscow mule. No collusion here. It was made by Alicia Hollinger from a local cocktail company born in a Brooklyn living room in Williamsburg, to be precise. They're called Hella Cocktail Co., and they make bitters and mixers for any occasion or concoction. Here's a little taste. So, Alicia Hollinger, how are you going to disrupt my sober January? <laughs> Well, I'm here to pour you a lovely mocktail, but then also if you want to kick it up a notch, we're going to add a little champagne to some Moscow mm. mules as well. We still have a few days left in this <laughs> no drink. Is that a real thing? Do you guys notice any trends of people having more mocktails in January? I'm not drinking. We definitely do. We definitely yeah. do. And that's why we really wanted to take today to kind of show people how we can have a nice spruced up cocktail for January. Right. But if you're going to do the you know, dry January, which a lot of people do. Um, this is a really nice kind of refreshment still, okay. you know, so, minus the booze. Yes, give me the angel before you give me the devil. What's All in right. the mocktail? All right. Um, so today we're serving up um, a cucumber mint Moscow mule. Cucumber mint yes. Moscow so, mule. All of those um, things go together great. I like, yes. Um, so we're just going to start off with about two ounces of our Moscow mule mix. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I've already done ahead already is I've muddled some of the cucumber and mint in the bottom of the glass. Muddle, you say? Muddle, yes. So that's actually when you take your fresh herbs, fresh ingredients, you could put them in the bottom of the glass. Mm -hmm. You take um, a wood muddler and just kind of open up the an aromatics and kind of the flavors of the ingredients, too. Yeah. So I've went ahead and done that, topped it with some ice. We've added our Moscow mule mix. And then now we're just going to top it with some club soda. Some bubbles. Yes. So a little birdie told me that this Hella Cocktail Company was started in a humble kitchen in Williamsburg. That is correct. Uh, three gentlemen really had a love of craft cocktails and oh. cooking, and they set out to make a craft bitters that really had, you know, um, our brand principles in mind, which was bold flavor, real ingredients, and 
hospitality, you know? So we really love to kind of just, you know, use real ingredients, so whole spices, you know, real ginger, you know, a number of different ingredients, and mm -hmm. we love to always say, no fake stuff. Is that for me? So this is your dry January uh -huh. cucumber mint, the mule Listen, mocktail. For those listening now, I can tell you this is real because there are fingerprints <laughs> on this lovely cup that comes in a kit. Tell me about the Moscow Mule Kit. Yeah, so um, these are some great craft your own kits that we um, have come out with during uh, this last holiday season. So within that, you get the two copper mugs you see, uh, this wonderful copper jigger, you get a little copper spoon as well, and then two of our Moscow Mule servings. So our cute, adorable Moscow Mule yeah. servings come within the kit. Um, at retail locations, though, you can get one of the larger ones, which will serve about 10 to 12 people. So if you're having a party or, yeah. you know, things like that, this is, you know, the size you're ready to go, too. This is the part where I so. ask you the deep questions because I'm not talking because this <laughs> is delicious. But, and yes. it's not too sweet. It's not, like, all cloying and it won't make you feel like, eh. Precisely. You know, we, we pride ourselves in using real ingredients, too. So you're actually, you know, consuming there. You have real ginger, pure mm -hmm. cane sugar, a number of other fresh ingredients. You know, so it's not, you know, like high fructose corn syrup or anything that you're yeah. going to feel guilty about. You know, one thing I always love to say, too, is, is you know, when you're out there shopping is pick up the bottle and, and read the label. Yeah. You know, it's something that we pride ourselves in and just using all things that you can pronounce. Okay, too. so let's give the devil his due now. We got right. one minute to take it up a notch. <laughs> all right. For people who I so we're gonna, in <laughs> So we're gonna start with our champagne flute. Uh, we're gonna take an ounce of our Moscow Mule mix. I'm gonna top it off a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Delicious. And now at this point, when you would add a little bit of vodka or club soda, we're actually gonna kick it up a notch. All right. And we're gonna add some champagne. Popping bottles. So this is, you know, it, and it makes for really such a nice, you know, kind of welcome if you're having people over, if you wanna come and really sp spruce up your, your champagne or Prosecco that you have at home. Yeah, keep it festive. Yeah. So this time we're gonna use some of our ginger bitters All as right. well. Is this the secret ingredient? That's right. Ginger bitters. Ginger bitters. A little of the Hella Cocktail Moscow Mule Ginger Lime Mix. Precisely. And for and added now, loveliness. We're just gonna garnish it with a wonderful fresh cucumber slice. Oh, I'm so sorry you weren't here today, Ashley. And here you are. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm here. You can have this back. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, they're both delicious. I know. Uh, I've picked my favorite. The devil wins <laughs> this time. Well, cheers. Salut. To Happy 2018. New Year. To 2018. Let's make yes. new mistakes. <laughs> Hella right. Cocktail Company and Alicia Hollinger, their field marketing manager. Thank you so much for being on 112 BK. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for joining us today. Tomorrow, Jarrett Murphy from City Limits will be filling in for Ashley, and joining him will be Jumani Williams, City Council Member for Brooklyn's 45th, who just announced he might run for Lieutenant Governor. I'm sure Jerry will get to the bottom of that. We'll also have a remembrance of legendary Brooklyn-based New York City muckraker for the Village Voice, Wayne Barrett, who died a year ago. Don't miss it.
112BK is hosted by me, and is produced by Ross Tuttle, Fred Brown, Shereen Bargie, Emily Bogosian, and Kritzi Robert. Our show is edited by Clinton Filson Jr. and Kyrell and is recorded by our studio technical director, Eric Hallis. Our executive producers are Aziz, Jonathan Lee, Jonathan Lee, and Sasha Mathias. If you want to get in touch, you can leave us a comment, tweet us using the hashtag 112BK, email us at 112BKpodcast.gmail.com, or leave a message at 347-504-508-0808. And make sure you subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or whichever podcatcher you use. 112BK is part of the Brick Radio For more information on this information on radio podcast, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio.